0: This is EdTech Weekly. I'm your host, Ricky Zager, and I have some bad news and some good news. And I guess I'll start off first with the bad news. Meredith will not be joining me tonight for the show. I know this is heartbreaking for a lot of you, myself included. Um, I was hoping that she was going to be able to be on the show, and unfortunately we had some communication issues, and it just wasn't going to work out in order for me to get the show recorded tonight. And, you know, we'll just move forward and hopefully we'll get Meredith uh, back on the show again because she was really good and we really appreciated her being here. The good news is that Matt is going to be back next week, I will say, hopefully, because as we know, things don't always work out the way we plan. but we're hoping that he'll be here next week. He's on the schedule to be here and I'm excited to welcome him back to the show. Now, I did have a chance um yesterday evening instead of recording to look a little bit back at the history of the show and i realized that in two weeks we're going to basically be having our one year anniversary from that first recording the first podcast that we put out we've come a long way from then i I listened to the beginning of one of those and we've definitely made some improvements and i know we have a lot more to make so um, including being more consistent with our recording nights and also of course trying to have a co-host a little bit more frequently because It's just better when there's somebody else on on the podcast for me and I think probably for you, the listener, too. But listen, I'm planning a nice little one-year anniversary, a best-of type show, maybe play some clips, play some of the more fun, uh, interesting clips from the show. So that should be a lot of fun. And maybe we can get Meredith and Matt here to do that. That would be awesome. So we'll see if we can do that. But it is the EdTech Weekly Show. So let's begin with the EdTech News of the Week. Our first story, your mobile phone bill is sparking an EdTech renaissance according to a recent TechCrunch article. Now, all of those confusing fees and taxes at the end of our cell phone bills apparently might actually be helping EdTech out, something that I didn't know. Um, I'm assuming most people aren't very aware of this, but maybe I'm just completely out of the loop on this, but there's been a fee for quite a while that has um, funded E-Rate, And that's basically a fund under the control of the FCC, and it's been used to infuse money into schools and libraries for technology enhancements. Um, Connect Ed, which was recently introduced by Obama, I believe in 2013, basically helped redistribute and redirect some of the money from some older technologies like faxes and and turn it into internet infrastructure. And the goal of that is to get 99% of students' broadband access by 2018, And the fee actually was increased to a total of about 90 cents on your monthly phone bill. So we always see those fees and things on the bottom, but this particular one really does help uh, some of the infrastructure now, especially with Connect Ed being introduced, and Connect Ed is something that I had heard of, and I knew that the the concept was to be getting broadband all throughout the schools, and I think we've talked about that before. But I don't just don't think I realized that it was through an FCC regulated, or I shouldn't say regulated, but controlled funding model that's from the bottom of your cell phone bill. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, you know, the overall feel of this article for me is that. They're trying to say that basically this infrastructure improvement is going to lead to better or greater things for ed tech because people are going to be able to actually use apps that they maybe weren't able to use before because the Internet wasn't there to sort of um, be there to back up these apps. They, you know, they wouldn't be able to connect fast enough or wouldn't be able to connect at all, maybe in some cases. So the cool thing about uh, Meredith, well, planning to be on the show, is that we did get some of her feedback in the show notes. So I'll share a little bit of it with you. And I thought she had an interesting perspective on this because she came from it like the reason that this stuff is happening um, may have been because of these the mandating of these tests, um, you know, the standardized tests that we've been doing and getting so many, trying to get so many students on there has caused a lot of strain on the system for the internet usage. And I'm wondering if this is... The thinking and the reasoning why people were so sort of, you know, pushing out to have this infrastructure improved. And unfortunately, I think that probably is a big part of it. So if we're just getting the infrastructure set up so that it can handle this testing, does that mean that it is then not going to be ready for things besides testing? My concern is with that. And again, this started in 2013, and we know how fast... Uh, the infrastructure for this inter- for internet and for networking is changing. Are we going to, once we have 99% of students being able to get to this broadband type access, is that going to be then obsolete in terms of are, is the megabytes per second going to be good enough for what we need it to be? So obviously it's not an ending issue. It's not like, oh, this is definitely going to be awesome from here on out. I like the fact that we're, and Meredith made a comment that she thought it was really cool that we were um, funding this, you know, the this, the funding of this is sort of dispersed to everyone on your phone bills. I know not everyone has a cell phone or a phone bill, but that's, you know, I would say in the high 90% of our population has those things. So definitely cool. It's an interesting to me, something that I didn't realize at that the bottom of the phone bill, I'm definitely gonna look at my next phone bill to see it just because I think it's kind of cool. But it's definitely neat that this is being sort of moved into infrastructure. But I do worry what level of infrastructure is being put in there, and is it going to sustain the demands, especially as we assume more and more devices we're going to be are going to be connecting in the years to come? So, definitely something to look out for. Our next story, which actually sort of builds on what we just talked about, um, according to Deal Street Asia. That's right. This is the first time we've used Deal Street Asia as a source. But byu B Y J U S raised $75 in funding. Now, we mentioned a few weeks ago that India was really jumping headfirst into the edtech space, and this story certainly backs that up. Um, It has a subscription model for content, and it's using the money raised, or plans to use the money raised, to move from an in-class model to more of an app model, and they'd also like to expand into other countries, uh, in the United States and in the U.K., um, the excitement around the app-based model is the, is that the amount of students, can the, the, there can be a lot more students reached, and that's definitely according to the managing director of one of the investment companies. And by reaching more students, I assume that he means chuching. I mean, it really is about money, especially from an investment company, and you can understand that. But I, I do worry that the concept here is can we reach the most people possible with this, And I don't know that every country and every student has the same needs, you know, in terms of um, content that these people are providing. So I don't know that it's, you know, I can see being concerned as an investor here that are we saying that this content is going to be great for all levels across all countries? And I just don't know that that's going to be accurate. Um, Meredith uh, wanted to point out that it was pretty interesting how they talked about they've gone undergone a significant change in just the last 12 months from using a more classroom-based model to an app-based model and it does just really emphasize how much technology is changing how quickly things can shift and again um, as someone who's looking at edtech and and has been like looking at the stories and the companies i do have a pause for concern here because exactly how can we be sure that spending all this money on the app model is what the future is going to be? I mean, I listened to some pretty cool podcasts, including the Daily Tech News Show, and they talked about how bots are actually sort of, you know, taking over the app model and and in messaging apps where you just interact with a bot and they do a lot of these things for you. So you know, just because the app model looks like this is how it's going to be, that can change quickly. So we're throwing a lot of money, and again, this is investors, so I'm not quite as concerned personally with that part of it, but just how much are we going to throw into things that are changing. And when I take that to a school perspective or a district perspective you know, we're putting a lot of money into ed tech and a lot of the stuff is unproven. And how are we, how do we know that these models are going to be sustainable for a long period of time as quickly as this thing is shifting. So it's just something to look out for. Um, You know, if I was deciding to look into content for my students or for a school or a district, I would definitely be focusing on non-subscription models. There's a lot of free, great content out there, including like Khan Academy, Um, and some others as well. And I just think that that that's sort of where we need to stay in terms of supporting learning in education right now is, is spending as little money as possible for this content. And I know sometimes if the content's worth it, that's awesome. But just spending it because this is supposed to be great content, again, those models shift very quickly. And I think, you know, there's a lot of great free stuff out there and we should be Definitely accessing that and using that first when possible. All right, so let's get to our final story. And this EdWeek reports that social emotional learning is, ripe, is a ripe market for EdTech. And the market for the social emotional learning platforms or SEL platforms is currently underdeveloped, according to a new report from the World Economic Forum and the Boston Consulting Group. According to the article, some research has shown that students are more successful and happier when they are instructed um, directly in social emotional learning. So they tend to have happier lives and and sort of understand how these things work after school or even during school better if they have this type of teaching. And they do mention how new technologies like virtual reality could help students foster greater self-awareness and possibly spur creativity. And, you know, I, I have a lot of concerns about this in general, and it sort of relates to ed tech in general as well for me. Um, and I, I feel like I'm a little bit of a curmudgeon on this show. I feel like i am kind of been negative on a, a few of these stories. And I, I will just share with you Meredith's opinion first with this, because c- as a school counselor, she said she really loves the idea of promoting social-emotional learning. And it's a really important part of curriculum, and it should be something that's stressed. Um, because there is a lot of benefits that can be put through here, but for me, what what I don't know, I'm I feel like I'm just gonna get a little bit surly here, but I I don't understand why apps and ed tech are going to help social emotional learning, because if we know that it's important, why is it not being addressed without apps or without? programs and without virtual reality like i this is where i struggle like the concepts that we want to have our students learn if that's not ingrained just you know people creating technology that does that is not going to make that happen um again this takes me back to ed tech being like this magic bullet that's going to fix everything and it's just really insane on some levels for me that that's how we view educational technology um we have done very little to prove that educational technology itself is something that is improving education. Statistically, there's just no data out there that really says that we've stayed at the same level or gotten worse in some cases for graduation rates and for test standardized test scores and all those types of things that we measure by just the technology itself isn't changing it. So there's a lot more that has to happen. And, you know, when it comes to virtual reality, they mentioned that this is going to impact education and and from a new perspective and it's going to help out. But this is such a new technology that literally as we speak, people are just now getting like the Oculus Rift, which just came out. Um, The pre-order people are just now getting it. So, you know, I know there's been some types of virtual reality, but it's so untested and untapped at this point that just, you know, to me, it's a little irresponsible in this article to say that this is suddenly going to be what's going to help social emotional learning. I understand based on who's, you know, reporting on this study that their, you know, slant is not quite necessarily from education. The World Economic Forum and the Boston Consulting Group may not have education on the f- forefront of their mind here. This sounds more of like an economic thing for them. But, I just, I don't know, like I just really get super concerned when we say this thing that's a piece of technology is somehow going to do something that we've struggled with in the schools already. Um, You know, how is this piece of technology going to impact that? And I'm not saying that it won't impact it in a positive way. I just don't really understand how we go from, you know, having nothing to all of a sudden saying if these programs or apps show up, then all of a sudden this problem is going to be solved. It's just difficult for me. I believe me, I feel like an old man saying, get off my lawn. You know, I really do, because I, I love Ed Tech. I really do. And I just I feel like it's a tool to be used in conjunction with a really good program, a really good Uh, set up in the school and a really good priority-based thing where we talk about social-emotional learning as an integral part. And it's certainly not that way in a lot of schools. Um, In some classrooms, I know teachers do awesome stuff, and some of them may be addressing those things, and I know that they are. But in general, the system is not set up for that to, to, to work well and to succeed. So it's hard for me to believe that just some people creating apps or programs who's going to spend money on buying those programs and apps, if that's not a priority in the school. So I, I guess at the end of the day, I just view educational technology as tools to help teachers and schools and or districts to accomplish goals that they've set. And if they don't have those goals set, then it's just because somebody creates these great apps or what could be great apps. It's not going to change things. And I think that's why we were are where we're at with education right now. We have, we have, a lot of people who are saying this is going to solve the problem, this is going to solve the problem here. If we just put them in this program for a little while or put them with this app for a little while or if they just use this device, they're going to actually be engaged and they're going to be interested. It's the same thing with all of us. We get a new phone and we're interested and engaged and think it's cool for the first little while but then it just gets to be a phone and we use it for what we use it for. It's the same thing with educational technology. At some point it is, it's a tool and how you use it is not going to be, how you use it is going to be how it affects the students, not how they are interested in it or engaged by it in the first couple weeks or how cool or what the wow factor is. So I know I went off on a tangent there for a while about this, but it is something that's you know a big deal to me based on how much I really like educational technology. What I don't want to have happen is, for people to think that these things are going to be working and then they don't work based on the format and the way things are set up in the school and then they blame the technology for it. It's not the technology's fault. The technology is there as a tool to help out and if we don't have those things in place beforehand, including, you know, as we've said many times on the show, the proper training for teachers and anyone who, and students and anyone who's going to be using this technology, then it's not going to work either. So it's not just like technology can't be the cure for everything all by itself it also can't be the the problem or the fault if these things don't work there has to be a whole system in there and I think probably people who listen to the show feel the same way or similar but you know if not we do have tons of ways for you to communicate with the show and I just wanted to list a bunch of those now because I know everyone's sort of in a different place um, on social media and other things so just so you know if we happen to be in your wheelhouse somewhere that you like to be Then you can sort of um, interact with the show that way. The first, we just launched a new Facebook page. Just search EdTech Weekly, like our page, and we'll be posting some more in there. Uh, Check out edtechweeklyshow.com. That's our website, show notes and links from today's show and all the previous shows. That allows you to, if you want to research a little bit more on the subject, just go there and you can see our show notes and our links there. Uh, edtechweekly.reddit.com is an awesome subreddit that we've had some interactions with recently. Really excited about that. Um, and follow me on Twitter at ForTechTeachers. I usually post stories on there, uh, some some slight commentary. I try not to get too uh, judgmental and preachy like I did about my, uh, you know, sort of anger about edtech in general and how we sort of portray it. But I do like to get the stories and even more stories than we actually talk about on the show out there. So if you're interested in ed tech news, follow me at four tech Teachers. And then of course you can always just email us at edtechweekly@gmail.com. At gmail.com. And if you follow the show, you know, we've had a few voicemails, so you can call us at three Oh five nine two tech to three Oh five nine two T E C H two. And uh, that's the end of the show. Other than that, I just want to say, I really appreciate we had somebody go on iTunes and rate the show. They gave it five stars, which is awesome. Um, but just going on and rating the show is cool because what it allows that to do is more people to find the show. So if you have a moment go to iTunes, uh, go to Edtech weekly, search Edtech weekly you'll see the show and go ahead and if you like the show go ahead and leave some feedback and a, and a rating on there It doesn't have to be five stars that's fine. if you like it, just you know give it the appropriate amount of stars obviously you know the more stars the better as far as I'm concerned because I just want people who want to listen to this stuff be able to find us and that's what it'll help do so i really appreciate you guys i know this is a long one especially for just me going on my own and i had a little rant there but again love ed tech and just scares me sometimes that we've i feel like we're jumping in without really thinking about the ramifications for what it all may mean so next week matt's going to be back i'm super excited about that and uh we'll see you next week on EdTech weekly